International headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. Well, dear friends, it is Monday, and Monday of Christmas week, and we are just absolutely thrilled that we can be right here on this station five days a week, all year long. And certainly as we hear that theme song every day, Oh, Say But I'm Glad, what better week to really make a difference about that than uh, Christmas week? I mean, Christmas week is a time that should really be a time of great joy. It ought to be a time of reflection, a time whenever we consider what it is we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, today we're going to talk about the name of Jesus and just what all is involved in that, what it means that we have the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very thankful that uh, we have your friendship, and many of you join us every day, but uh, some of you maybe just found us, and we're glad that you're along today, and I trust that you will find your way to this point, this station right here, as often as you possibly can. Now, I want to start today in Matthew chapter 1, because it is there that we learn that the name Jesus was heaven-selected. It was the name that the Lord instructed Joseph to give to the baby when he was born in Bethlehem. And we read that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, when it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, whereas his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 21 says, that uh, the angel of the Lord said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now that verse simply tells us the Lord not only had the conception done via the Holy Spirit, not through normal means with husband and wife, but instead uh, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and that he was to be named Jesus, he was to be a son, and all of that is laid out here very carefully, and it also says that he would be the Savior. Then verse 25 says that Joseph knew her not, that is, they were not in a normal marriage relationship until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. So, we talk about Jesus, and uh, sometimes we sing that song that says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing and keeps me singing as I go. And so for today and tomorrow and uh, however long that it takes here, it might even be a third day, we're going to talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And there are some things that the Bible tells us very, very clearly about the Lord Jesus that really defines for us who he is and what he is all about. And I want to dig into that with you because there are some very definitively noted things that we need to understand very clearly. For example, in John's Gospel, chapter number one, there are 10 defining terms that lay out some truth about the Lord Jesus. Each one of those 10 items are very specific, and they also tell us something about him. For example, in the very outset of the chapter, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we learn some things from that. This verse identifies the Lord Jesus with this title. It is said he is the Word. And when it says that, it's talking about not the printed Word, not the Bible, but it's talking about him, the living Word. He is the personification of the Word of God. And this passage says that he was with God, talking about God the Father, and not only that, but that he was God. So it establishes that he is the Son, he is the second part of the Trinity, and that at the same time, he is God himself. He's not uh, some uh, individual that just came along into the equation and plays second fiddle. He is a real part of the triune God. And whenever the Bible says that Jesus is the Word, and it was so, according to verse 1 here, it was so from the very beginning. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about the beginning? I suspect that's talking about the beginning of time, the beginning of the creation, all of that that was set in place. Now, when we start marking time, uh, that doesn't mean that this is the uh, beginning of God. No, there has always been the eternity of the past, that uh, God was present, God was alive, uh, God was there, and there came a day, however, when he did begin to create, when he began to put all of this together. And the Bible says, even in the beginning, he was there. So this verse speaks not only of his deity, when it says that he was God. It not only establishes the fact that he was the second part of the Trinity, as the Son and God the Son, but that he also is the eternal God. When it tells us that he was alive back when, you know, uh, you think about all of the presidents and prime ministers and others who've had power uh, throughout uh, the ages. Think about all of the preachers that we uh, quote so often, the men who've been our heroes in the faith. All of them were born, they lived, they served, and they died. And they're done as far as this earth is concerned. They will one day be resurrected. They are alive in heaven, all of that. But what you and I have to understand is when we talk about the Lord Jesus and when we say he is the living word, well, he was the living word, he is the living word, and he will be the living word. Every step of the way, the Lord Jesus is who he claims to be. And this passage tells us that his eternality is established and his deity is established. Now, second thing that we note here in John chapter 1, the second of these distinguishing and defining terms, the Bible tells us here also that he is the creator. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what we have when we look at the Lord Jesus, we have the active agent of creation. The Bible establishes this in a number of places, but it says it here so very clearly. Whenever you read the first chapter of Genesis, you remember verse 1 of Genesis says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we look at that and we just assume that that's God the Father, and it's pretty well established as we look at that. We're talking about God the Father. You drop down just a little bit, a verse or two in that passage, Genesis 1, and you also learn that the Holy Spirit is there. The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. And so here we learn the Lord Jesus as well was active in creation. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's why in that passage, Genesis 1, when it says, in the beginning God, 
The Hebrew word there is the word Elohim, and that is the plural form of the word. And it's not talking about a polytheistic situation. No, it's still monotheistic, one God. But you understand, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are one. They function together. They have different functions and different uh, ways of going about things, things that they do individually. But at the same time, they are one in the strictest sense of the word. And so it's not polytheism at all. It's monotheism. But the Lord lays out the fact when he says that God, Elohim, plural, yes, everybody, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they were all there. So all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He had his hand, his touch, upon everything. He was not simply a tag-along in creation. He was the creator. He is an active agent in all of the creation. He is, in fact, the creator. So whenever we talk about Jesus, 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 we read this passage that tells us that he was born in Bethlehem. He was born to be the Savior. Well, who is this that's on the scene in Bethlehem, now in human flesh? Who is that? Well, he is the Word, and he is the Creator. And not only that, thirdly, John chapter 1 tells us that he is the one who is to be called the Light. Remember, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Well, here in John chapter 1, the Bible says the light, talking about Jesus, shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You drop down just a little later in the chapter to verse 7, and it says the same, talking about John, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, that is John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So listen, folks, the Lord Jesus is the one who brings light that destroys the darkness. If you want to push back the darkness, you've got to have light. And the moral darkness, the philosophic darkness, I mean the just practical darkness that invades our planet without any help at all, it just happens. And if you do not have light, the darkness just comes. And he is the light that destroys the darkness and the power of darkness. And since there is no life without light, the Lord Jesus is the eternal light that brings everlasting life to the world. He is the light of the world. You and I need to understand something about this. Our world, being just what it is, it will fall into darkness without any help from me, without any help from you. The darkness will engulf us if we just sit tight. We need to spread the light. We need to turn the light on. We need to give the light of the world to the world. And that light is the Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever we sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, listen, folks, we're talking about him who is defined by these terms. He's called the Word. He's called the Creator. He's called the Light. And not only that, this passage tells us, talking about John chapter 1, also that he is the Savior. Now, remember what I read in Matthew 1? He was to be called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Well, now, John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 says, He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
Now, it's true. Many of the ones to whom he came rejected him. They set him aside. His own nation of Israel uh, mostly turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to him. They did not receive him, but he is the one who brings regeneration. He is the one who brings redemption. He is the one who brings the restoration of the relationship with God the Father. He has the power to enable all those who believe, who put their trust in him. He can empower them to become the sons and daughters of the living God, the Almighty God. Now, hundreds of people will ask, as they've asked me, is it that simple to be saved? And the answer is yes, it is that simple. Your salvation is not by your doing, it's not by your works. But when you put your trust in the crucified and risen Christ, then, yes, you are saved. He becomes the Savior. The new life that you need, that everlasting life, is not empowered by your resolve. It's not powered by your reform. It's not powered by you just simply pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. But it is a matter of redemption and regeneration because Jesus is the Savior. So these four items, and I've got some more here from John chapter 1 that we'll get into tomorrow and look at it very carefully and just continue to sing the theme, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Well, dear friends, do write me a note soon. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be back here again tomorrow, and I hope you'll join me then. But write me a note, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now. Thank you.